0: and i hope you'll be inspired to write because as i always say you have a story you should write it down this is pencils and lipstick you're done with your manuscript you're ready to start editing before you send it off to a professional editor let me recommend a product from Stacy Juba to you the book Editing Blueprint, a step-by-step plan to making your novels publishable. I have this product, I've gone through the entire course, and I can say with all confidence that this is essential for every single writer. A lot of us haven't had a grammar class since high school, which for many of us is more than a decade behind us. Now, the Book Editing Blueprint is literally step-by-step, going not only back to grammar, but going to storytelling. And as we talk about a lot on Pencils and Lipstick, storytelling is the essence of what we are doing. So what does this course do? It solves your editing problems. It helps you not be overwhelmed by the editing process. You know that feeling of overwhelm when you think of what that might entail? Will you have to rewrite the entire book? Is the book going to be as bad as you fear it is? What if you send it off to an editor and they ask for $10,000 because it just needs that much work? Well, this is why you get the course, to soothe that overwhelm and those fears. You go through this course and you will have a very clean manuscript, and I'm not saying you don't send it off to another editor, especially a line editor or a proofreader, but you will start understanding story development, character development, as well as grammar, so that your editor can look at more things. Let's say the story arc. They'll talk to you kind of like an editor used to do, right? A hundred years ago. So Stacy Juba is a fiction author, a freelance developmental editor, and the founder of Shortcuts for Writer. She's also my friend and I have her on the show quite often and I collaborate with her. She is an excellent editor and the first person I go to when I have a question about a manuscript, whether it's mine or someone else's. Now, most writers, she says, need to pay for multiple rounds of developmental editing. Did you know that? And may also need to hire a freelance copy editor and or proofreader, and that can cost you thousands of dollars. But in this course, Stacy makes it your mission to learn how to do a, a thorough developmental and mind edit and create a solid action plan for your manuscript in progress. By the end of her course, you'll have prepared a detailed editorial report outlining your book's strengths, weaknesses, and strategies to fix the problems. And you'll be armed with a simple self-editing checklist to guide you through your revisions. If you guys are looking for something to help you advance your craft, I highly recommend you check out Stacey Juba's Book Editing Blueprint A Step-by-Step Plan to Making Your Novels Publishable. Links are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to Pencils and Lipstick. I am your host, Kat Caldwell, and this is episode 100. And 54. And I am recording this sometime in October. October 19th. I'm a little bit ahead of the game, but there's a couple of things that I wanted to talk to you guys about. Um, I have a wonderful show for you in the interview section. I am talking to Tracy Lydia Garner. I met her when I was part of the Right Women's Book Festival in about two weeks ago, I guess, a little bit over that, um, in Maryland. She had this beautiful table set up of all these books, and I just thought to myself, well, I have to talk to her. So I invited her to come on the show, and I was not disappointed, and I don't think you will be either. There's quite a few links in the show notes, so as we talk, you'll find out why you're going to probably want to scroll down there and click on them. You, um, well, I'll keep that for a surprise later. Happy Halloween, everybody. It is the 31st of October. So here in America, we pretty much celebrate Halloween and um, All Saints, All Souls Day tomorrow and um, Day of the Dead and Dia de los Muertos. And it's interesting. It's such a big time of year here in America. And Interestingly enough, it's like not a big time of the year. Almost everywhere else I've lived, <laughs> like even in Spain, like we go to mass on November 2nd. But other than that, they have carnival in, what is it, February or something. So <laughs> that's when they dress up. But it's a big time of the year here in America. Um, and so today I will have my kids dressing up. I think they're going to wear costumes while playing basketball, so that'll be fun. We'll see. We'll see how that one goes. And tennis, all the things, all the things that I have to do for my children. I just stand around and watch and think about new books to write. So as it goes, um, yeah, books to write. Tomorrow starts NaNoWriMo. I am actually going to participate in NaNoWriMo this year, like, in the sense of, psychologically participating, I guess. Um, I'm actually going to visit my grandmother. And so I don't know how I'm going to get all the words done. You know, so i, I it's not like, here's what I'm trying to say. I can't do like every single day, you know, the 1,500 or 2,000 words that you're supposed to get done every single day. The majority of my life, I do write every single day. But it's not always necessarily the book that I'm working on. You know what I mean? And weekends, I almost never get any writing done. That's something that I have accepted. It used to really uh, bother me. It used to really make me nervous and anxious. Um, And it's just one of those things where you just have to accept it. It's also American Thanksgiving month. So I never understood NaNoWriMo being in November. Like we all take four days off for that holiday. A lot of times I'm traveling. When I lived in Europe, I would travel um, overseas to, you know, see my family because it's cheaper to travel in November than during Christmas. And so I've never really participated fully. And this year is no no different. <laughs> so, um, but I am going to kind of use it as motivation. I do suggest that you use it as motivation. I have like this love-hate relationship with... Not NaNoWriMo, but like the idea that you could write 50,000 words in a month. It is possible, but it's not not recommended at the expense of your life or your mental health. And I know that people talk about that. It's not like a secret, you know, but we can talk about things and then we can actually be examples for things. And 50,000 words is doable, sure. The other question is whether or not it's 50,000 words that are worth continuing with when NaNoWriMo is over. So if you missed last week's interview with Lewis Georgestead, you might want to go back and listen to it, episode 153, in which we talk about NaNoWriMo. And he talks about how, you know, he used it to write his first novel and then how he came out of it thinking like, these words are no good, you know? And that's, that's what I want people to avoid, really. You know me, if you've been listening for a while, you know that I am trying to figure out a way to get myself to write a little bit faster and um, to get things sort of figured out a little bit faster. Now with, with, Dowser, I feel like I'm getting it figured out more. That came just from research and trying to figure out the background to her father and her sister and maybe switching around a few things in the area um, because she's she's in Spain in 1836. And believe it or not, there isn't a whole lot on Google about Spain in 1836 besides the Carlos Wars. Like, you really have to dig. Um, like what was life like, and what did people do for a living? And there had to be money somewhere, right? And Spain was just kind of going through this this crisis, this economic crisis, and this crisis of identity after Napoleon came and they got and got kicked out, and now there's these Carlist wars and all this. So most of the history that I find is about that war. Like most history it seems to revolve around war, and I want people's everyday life. So of course, as I dig into the deep hole of, you know, Google and, you know, whatever else I'm using, I don't know all the search engines that I'm using. I'm trying, I'm figuring it out and it is going faster now that I sort of have that idea in my head. Um, but I would recommend to you, if you want to do NaNoWriMo in in a sort of, use it as inspiration, I guess. If you don't have a book well thought out, you are going to come and hit a wall. You will hit that wall. And if you put all your eggs in one basket of thinking I'm going to get, you know, half a novel done or over half a novel done in 30 days and you hit the wall at day 16 and then you get anxious about it, like that's, that's not worth it. And so I want to recommend again that you go back and either find Lewis book on outlining, outline a book in 10 days. I read it. It was really good. I think it had a lot of great advice for either new writers or just writers who want to find a different way of doing things. As you all know, I don't really outline, but it had a whole different way of thinking about things. Um, You know, there are tons of different story craft ideas out there. At the very least, If you have an idea in your head, start writing down who the characters are, you know, names to be chosen if needed, and all the sort of little ideas that you can come up with on what you need to write about. And I would also recommend if you get stuck to just jump to the next scene or whatever you see, like don't try to write linearly in 30 days, you know, just try to get your the scenes out that you can see in your head and just understand that it will all probably need a lot of editing, especially if you are a new writer. So did I just like distress everybody <laughs> enough? I hate to think that, you know, there are times that people can write a book and it's pretty much fantastic. I mean, Tracy Garner in the interview section has a great story about her first book just being pretty fantastic from the get-go. And then you, you know, but that's not everybody's story. And even if you do have a story like that, um, it's possible that the next one won't be like that. So I wrote an audience with the king in probably two and a half months, um, you know, and then you have to add on editing and things like that. But this story came pretty quickly. It's kind of my mid-selling book, um, I spend a lot more time promoting Stepping Across the Desert just because it's easier to categorize. Um, historical romance is, you know, pretty big seller anyway. So, you know, it's just easier to get out there, but it doesn't mean that my Outside the Ring duology wasn't difficult. See, so like, just know if you're going to go into NaNoWriMo, might need a lot of editing. I would suggest you make a lot of notes and I just, I want to encourage you, you know, like keep going. And if you don't get to 50,000, who cares? Like at least you tried, um, and just keep writing. So I'm not sure that I will be very active on the board just because I do get upset about numbers not being there. (laughs) I just know my own mental health y'all and I have to watch, you know, what will like trigger me into being like, oh my gosh, I have to get more words done. And I just have life. I just have three kids, right? So I'm going to use it as inspiration, as I said. Um, Do you guys, did you guys see the article about Colleen Hoover? Um, In a couple different groups of mine, not mine, but in writer groups that I'm part of, people have been talking about her. And I If you haven't read the article and you're able to, I know it's New York Times, so it's like not everyone has a subscription. I don't have a subscription, but a friend of mine like copy pasted it for me so I could read it. Um, It's really interesting because she's been in the writing business and been writing for 20 years, about 10 years, sorry, for 10 years. And you know, it wasn't until recently that things really blew up for her. So that was encouraging to just be like, okay, not everything is overnight, even though things look like it, right? And it's interesting because in some of my writing circles, people were like rolling their eyes about her and about her books, which reminded me about Fifty Shades of Grey. And I know that we all love to like bemoan books that we don't think are well-written enough, you know, whatever that, whatever that means and that they get the success or whatever. And I, I just have to say, I don't think that Colleen Hoover or E.L. James received the success because of some, you know, big publisher. So that's what I was saying. Like it was more TikTok for Colleen Hoover. It was readers enjoying her book. And then somebody else pointed out that yet, and yet she has these connections. She has connections of, um, JK Rowling. She has connections of E.L. James. She has these connections. And I thought of that, and I I think it is easy to sort of roll your eyes and dismiss that everybody's success, if somebody like Colleen Hoover has success, that all her success came from the connections she made. But here's the, the problem with that, or my thoughts on that, we'll say you as a writer or as a person are perfectly capable of making connections and connections and knowing people and networking is what makes the world go round. They network in all sorts of business. Um, There are small business groups and large business groups, and there are, you know, these coaching chapters or whatever. And that's just networking and that's making connections like right here in the DC area. A friend of mine is a photographer and she is um, looking at this chapter of female entrepreneurs. That's just networking, right? They help each other out. They connect each other with one another. If you are a writer, even if you are an introvert, you can make connections. We have a lot more at our fingertips than we used to have. And I really think it would behoove you to find a way to make connections. And I have to say, even as this podcast is, you know, creeping into its fourth year, um, towards its fourth birthday. So we're three years old now. Um, a lot of this, is just about making connections with other people, talking with other authors. I started the podcast because I just wanted to talk to people and I wanted to be able to give back to them as they gave to me in the conversation. You know, so if I ask you for a conversation, well, I can at least give back by putting it out there and giving people the links and, and trying to do some marketing for it so that other people can find them. That was the whole idea. And still, it is something, it's a it's a project of love more than anything else. You know, there are so many podcasts out there, just like everything on the internet. So it takes a lot more work than, um, than profit brings in, <laughs> we'll say. But you, as a writer, you need to make connections. You start small. Of course, you don't send an email out to your, you know, James Patterson or something, but you start small, you start local, you start online, whatever it is, talk to people, um, via social media or via like writing groups or whatever, whatever you can find, make connections, propose to collaborate with people, see how you can be of help to other people. Talk about other books on your TikTok, if you have TikTok or your social media, see if you can um swap with another author on your social media, maybe make a reel about it, maybe talk to do mini conversations with other um, authors, it it's really up to us to make these connections because just like success doesn't come overnight, neither do connections. And so instead of um, sort of belittling the idea that people, have connections and that has contributed to their success. I think that we need to learn from that and go out and start making connections ourselves. And I know most of us are introverts, but it is possible to DM people, to send emails. And I'll freely admit for about a year, I was sweating and shaking in my boots every time I got online to, (laughs) to interview someone. I really had a really bad case of imposter syndrome because I was interviewing all these authors and creatives that I just felt were so much higher and farther along than me, right? But the more you do something, the more comfortable you get with it. Um, I'm not sure that I'm better than I was before, (laughs) but I am more comfortable interviewing people. So just do it. Just take that step and then take it again and again and again. And you know, who knows where you'll be in five years? It's just like, if you don't do it though, you'll definitely not be in connection with JK Rollins. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> so you never know where you will be, who you will know. And another way to find connections is by going to workshops and fairs and participating in them. That's exactly how I met Tracy. And I think she's fabulous and so much fun to talk to. And, um, definitely worth spending some more time with and learning from. She has a lot to teach us. And I wouldn't have known her probably because the world is huge and the internet is huge unless I had gone and participated in a fair or a book fest. So I just want to encourage you and encourage us as creative writers, instead of um, looking at kind of the pessimistic side, um, which I get, you know, like sometimes you walk into the Barnes and Noble or your local bookstore and you think, oh my gosh, how, how am I ever going to get my book here? (laughs) You know, but instead of thinking like that, or instead of being, um, feeling down about it, just learning from other people, learning to make those connections, taking that big step, sending that email, sending a DM. Um, and one of the greatest ways and easier ways to do it is to collaborate and offer, you know, I'll do this for you. Do you want to do this together? Should we share each other's books? All that. So that's just um, my thoughts about it. I think um, good on Colleen Hoover for writing books that readers love, a good chunk of readers love. And I think it's also a reminder to all of us that we need to be okay with the writers who like our books and be okay with the writer or the readers that don't like our books. It, it's okay. all of it is okay um I know that some of us want to be like a Pulitzer Prize winner and that's great that's a great goal um but let's not belittle those who do love the the books that we write wherever they're from and however we write them. I don't know. I haven't read Colleen Hoover's books. But all of a sudden, of course, I think out of spite or jealousy, people have lots of opinions about how poorly written they are. And I just have to say, well, poorly written or not poorly written, she is striking a chord with a large chunk of readers. And that's awesome. Some readers are reading. Anybody who's reading, I am excited about. So before we get into the interview, I want to remind you to like or share this podcast with people. Whatever podcast app you're listening to, you can write a review. You can star it. Of course, I like five stars, but you, you know, star it however you feel is correct. Um, share it with the other writer and reader friends. Of course, I write, I speak directly to writers, but these are author interviews. So if your reader friends are interested in how writers come up with their ideas or what their background is, share it with them. This is a value for value podcast. As much as I um, started it to talk and learn from other authors and to be able to give back to them um, for the time they spent with me, it's also for you guys. I want to give this to you guys. This is free for you. And if you want to support the show, um, you can. It would be much appreciated You can support it by liking or reviewing the show. And you can also become a sponsor or member of the show over at buymeacoffee.com forward slash pencils lipstick. And you get access to the videos and you get access to my um, downloadables, that I sell on my website. They're free if you become a sponsor of the show. It helps the show keep going. It helps pay for my time and my editor's time. It helps pay for all the little things that we need for this show. And what else pays for the show is my affiliate links. So every time, but right before the interview, you will hear a a short little clip on, um, software or courses that I have taken and that I use and that I love and that I fully recommend. And it will only ever be things that I have used. (laughs) I spend quite a bit of money in just investing in reading, like Lewis George said's book last week. All four of them, I got them, I looked over them so that I can say whether I um, uh, want to talk about them and recommend them or not. So Nick Stevenson's course, I highly recommend. Kindlepreneur with um, with Rocket Publishing, I publisher I recommend. I've gone through Stacey Juva's courses. I love them. I think they're great for writers. So just know that whatever you hear as my voice <laughs> in the ads, those are things that I highly recommend. Side note, if you're listening on Spotify, those... You know, CVS ads are not mine, (laughs) but you can listen to the show on any podcast app that you want. So if those annoy you, please head on over to a different app. Today I have with me best-selling romantic suspense author, Tracy Garner. Tracy is a best-selling author, a speaker, a writing coach, and a course creator. And she was born right here in the DC area. Tracy's first book came out when she was just 23 years old. It was published by the then-named Black Entertainment Books, or BET, for us Americans. This book helped launch her career as one of the youngest African-American writers. In its prime, BET Books was the largest publisher of romantic titles, featuring people of color as the main characters. I know that you are going to enjoy this interview, so let's get into it. All right. Hey everybody, welcome back to Pencils and Lipstick. I'm Kat Caldwell and this is Tracy Gardner with me. I am so excited to have Tracy. I met her at the Right Women's Book Fest. I think that's the whole name of it yes. just a few weeks ago. So hi Tracy, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm excited to talk to you. I saw you like Kitty corner, I guess, to me in the tent. Yeah. And I was like, hmm. Looks like <laughs> she has a Oh, I know it got cold in it. <laughs> and it was warm out of the tent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's the that's the oxymoron. <laughs>
0: it was so yes. weird, but um mm-hmm. It looked to me like you had like all these books there. So you had been in the industry for a while. And so I was like, hmm, I need to go talk to her. Plus, your covers are beautiful. Um, And so it turns out you've been in the business for 20 years. So I am excited to talk to you. Could you tell us this story that I have Mm -hmm. seen on your (laughs) website of how you came to be a writer?
1: Sure, sure. I entered a, I entered a writing contest. Um, it was during a very volatile time in my life. I was about 23 years old and, um, I had actually been through some two types of rejection. Relationship rejection from somebody that I liked and he couldn't really handle, um, that I was a person with a disability Mm. and also the rejection of We writers can't accept math. (laughs) Like, I rejected it. So, you know, I got rejected and I'm rejecting. Um, So, during math class, I would just write on the back of the paper where there was a problem I couldn't solve. And I would just escape into myself and dream about wonderful things and guys who don't reject you. um, And, you know, made like a beautiful love story, what I felt was like pretty good. Yeah. Um, Because I would read it and be like, oh my God, who wrote this? This is (laughs) pretty good. Um, so yeah, so I print off my writing in computer lab for all the millennials and above you who don't, don't know who what that, that is. is. We had a computer lab full of computers where you would go and do your work. You could type your term paper, you know, cause I didn't have, I had a computer at home, but I think I didn't have a printer or right. something. Yes. Um, or I wanted to save ink. Like I'm the reason people charge like 10 and 15 cents per page. Yes. Like how's that for it? For an accommodation, but um, yeah, so I would print out my massive manuscript, and all the people would gather around the printer, like waiting for the for their own stuff to come out. And there was one printer, um, millennials, um, that you had to go to, and they would print out a page that had your station number, and then print out your stuff right. and separate it for privacy. So um, people would go around the printer and be like, "Wow, who is hogging the printer?" And I would just stand there, looking <laughs> like, "Yeah, I know." I'd be like. I don't know who's doing that. How terrible. And then when everybody rushed back to their stations to print their work again, I would take everything that was on the printer because it was <laughs> mostly mine. Now, anything that wasn't mine. And I would your student ID. You
0: got to take that so they don't yes, ask you. <laughs> yes.
1: Actually, we didn't even have to have a student ID. Oh, you didn't? ID. Oh my We just had like a number on the computer and it printed out the paper, which is a lot of paper wasted, by the way, printing the cover sheet. And you just took, you know, and if it wasn't That's yours, insane. you just put it in a pile beside the printer. And somebody would claim it eventually. eventually. But I would, like I would, like, put them in my coat and, like, in my bag and, like, walk away. Or I usually was done and I just run out <laughs> of the building. Like, I stole something, which I actually probably did. But hey, it's our it was just a these. wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it was a wonderful time. Um, but winning the contest, I won. And I got a trip to New York. I got a $500 advance, which is a lot, to so a 20-something. Yeah,
0: and um And
1: publication of the book. So that was just life-changing. That's life amazing. amazing. Yeah, it was great. And they paid for my parents and us to go. And we went to this restaurant. And I went to the offices in New York. And I always forget that part. But I did go to the New York offices for one of the big five. Um, to meet with the editor at that time in her office. It was just amazing.
0: That is Listen. so fun. That's like yeah. a dream. I mean, this is before, you know, this is still like before self-publishing and all that. So, like to have that mm-hmm. happen kind of with your with your first book is just like a dream come true for Mosa.
1: It was, it was a dream come true. And you know, I took that map for liberal arts again with my win. Um, you know, and kind of the backdrop, and I actually passed. Good for you. (laughs) The main thing, yeah. The main thing out of that is just the validation Mm. and the confidence, you know, that I received. Yeah, and that helped, you know, kind of lift all the boats. Yeah, all my life boats.
0: Had you thought of being a full time writer before then, or were you really just doing it because for fun, just to escape?
1: No, I was really doing it because it was like the fallback plan. Okay. Of if the, you know, if the math of Liberal arts just uh, prevented you from graduating, well, golly, your life is over, you know, like I just did it as kind of like, um, you know, that is what, uh, that was what came to me. I was actually okay. crying one night and I was like, <laughs> you know, I was just kind of like having like a sob, snot fest. And, um, and I saw the contest online, just surfing the internet. And it kind of spoke to me. Yeah. I wasn't even sure I was going to win, but I almost felt like I really was going to, because it just seemed like it just it was like going through a forest and then finding like, I don't know, Tom Hanks, you know, finds a boat or something yeah. I don't, in, in Castaway. Like, that's how I literally felt like it was just kind of a clearing. Yeah. And this contest appears and it's like, enter me. Like, I felt like God's the same. Do this. Right. Stop crying, you know, grow a pair. Like, get over yourself, you know, get it together, you know, like, so I just want to I gave you
0: some talent. Happening. Go use it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Go use it. Do something like this is not the end of the world. Just because you actually, you know, I was going to community college at the time. Really, you're going to let community college take you out. You haven't even gotten to the four year school yet. So, um, but yeah, I went on to graduate my associates and then I went to get finished my bachelor's at ODU. So So you didn't know, even
0: I'm quit school. Stuff. You were like, I, I still got to go to school. No, no, I didn't
1: quit school. I mean, I, I just felt better about myself, okay. you know, help with my self-esteem and I got a tutor. Like, I think I also realized, you know, there are tools, there are things mm. you can kind of do. Um, when you, when you first go, there isn't really, you know, orientation is kind of a joke for college. Yes, it like, is. You need real resources, and tools, you know, and, and smart people who are ahead of you and in AP courses to come and tutor you, you know, and that's really what I got, um, after, after winning that. And I didn't even know some of these things were available to me, but just reading and researching and even just writing my book, it was all just a, a growth spurt. Yeah. Um, as far as what I, what I could do.
0: Oh, that's really cool. I left uh, college and was like, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) No,
1: I did too. But it took me forever. It took me 12 years to get through my entire academic program. But I was writing books and that was kind of giving me, you know, a little like push. That was like, you know, you go to your college professors who kind of look down on you sometimes. Like, what are you, little minion? You know, and you kind of like, and and, and at one point I was thinking in my head, you're giving me such a bad grade on this paper. And I'm like, I'm going to be published are you, published? <laughs> you know, you just kind of like develop this, um, like just this different view right. of like, you know, cause that's all, all of them want to be is like published. Like that's the, you know, the, the gold, holy grail for them. Right. And then if you're able to do it in your twenties, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not being conceited or, you know, over the, or arrogant. But I needed that to boost me, you know, and and maybe your, your bad grades and your red pen boost you. So let us all find something (laughs) that, you know, helps us all, you know, so I just felt, you know, um, and having a disability too, I use a wheelchair, just felt put down upon sometimes and didn't get the help that I needed. And so winning was the one thing I was like, I wanted something, you know, I didn't have sports. I didn't play sports. I didn't even have chess. You know, I didn't have anything where I was in kind of a competition Mm -hmm. and and I could measure my abilities and skills against other peers. Right. Like I didn't have that. So the contest invited so much more. And I've been talking about it for 21 years and people who listen to me a lot are probably like, oh my God, why does she stop talking about it? But I wish people could just realize the, like the deeper impact it had on me and my, my entire life.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's a, that's a fair point, though. Like for someone who couldn't do another competition because so many mm-hmm. people get validation through like, I mean, they still have their high school trophies or whatever. Like yeah. that yeah, was yeah, the first year. time that you had that validation. And
1: yeah. And they still get pizza. Like what, what is that about? Just writers like, don't get that. Trophy.
0: Yeah, do do anything. Nobody gives <laughs> us a gold medal just for participation.
1: Yeah. That's right. That's right. And it's just like, you know, so it's hard. Yeah. So I know that that one thing was like my, my sports, my soccer mom, um, you know, there wasn't that one moment my was like, Yay, baby, go ahead. Yeah, of course. And um, you know, so it's just it just was so much more. I wish people could understand right. it so much more than, the, oh, you just want a little writing contest.
0: No, it's a big deal. Yeah. If you're in the in the writing yeah. world, you realize like right, winning a full publishing contract with BET, mm-hmm. like that's a big deal. Yeah. So yeah, So after that, did you did you th- like writing the next book, did that come pretty quickly? Or were you did you kind of go, did. Okay, wow.
1: Yeah. The next two books came really quickly and I submitted them and, um, and having the contest win was a big help because yeah. they knew me, they, you know, they had judged the, the contest. They had read the book that I submitted for the contest and then I submitted two more books um, to get published and they published like in 2003 and four. Okay, And I won the contest in 2001. So I was able to write them pretty quickly. Yeah. That's the only thing that kind of, that I lament about my entire career is that, I have never really written as quickly as I did then. Right. And I know that was just a mix of the excitement. Some of it is probably youth mm. and not having many competing interests. Right. I mean, you know, now I am working. Uh, I do have a regular job, by the way. I'm not writing full time. But um, but also just publishing all these books Now I have learned to get faster mm-hmm. um, just by reading different books. There's like rapid release uh, book. And there's a couple other things. And using dictation has been really helpful. Okay. Um, Yeah. So I've used dictation only in the last two or three years. And I only really use it when I'm getting stumped. And at night when I can't sleep. So I just pull out my phone. And I just open an email and just press the mic button. And so that is, um, you know, I'm able to get 2,000 words. You know, some of the end of it is a little bit questionable. And gibberish, <laughs> as
0: you fall asleep. But, um,
1: that's, yeah, <laughs> as I fall asleep. And I kind of look at it in the morning like, Ooh, what's ha- what was this? What's happening? Um, but that's just, you know, but that's okay. Yeah, you know, yeah, 1,500 of, of that is really good, usable, lucid um, stuff. So, so I... So yeah.
0: I've heard a lot of people talk about dictation and I try it on and off. And like, I can Mm -hmm. dictate almost notes or like thinking through, you know, when you get stuck and you're like, okay, wait a minute, how old would they be if that, you know, that year or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I've, and I've tried to do like the, the full on what I would see it, but I I, I don't know, my brain almost can't like, work that fast did you find a time Mm -hmm. like did you have to train yourself or did it come pretty naturally to you or how how was that experience
1: Uh, a little bit of both I think I read um some stuff on it I tried it um and also you know you I almost am forced to so you kind of have options in bed. I'm not able to write, okay. I sleep on my side. Um, I'm able to use my phone and I always have my phone just for an emergency. But, um, but it's just, I want to get the book done. I know that I'm thinking about a scene and there are some little tips and tricks that I've developed. One is um, take the last paragraph of what you've typed and put that into the notes And then read it aloud and you would be surprised you may be able to keep going. So that's just one little tip that I did because starting with blank is hard. But if you can kind of give yourself a tail end, of that. I usually do the tail end of the chapter that I finish. Okay. And I just put the last paragraph in there. I'll read it aloud. And then my brain kind of like, oh, okay, this is where we are. Let's keep going. That makes sense. But just from, but starting from scratch, I would say is difficult and it doesn't always work, you know, and sometimes, sometimes you also have to start with trash. You know, they say write trash and then improve it. And that is true too. So just, um, maybe just start talking um, you know he said she said maybe say a couple lines of dialogue and then you may be able to keep going okay. so that's like my one tried and true tip but there are many others um, there was even a workshop I attended recently by someone I want to say he he created dragon and just you know I've never bought dragon I've never used Dra- I use dragon once at work. It is expensive. And then it takes time to learn. The artificial intelligence now for your voice is so great. And the other thing that I noticed is when I email a chapter to myself, um, the words kind of are already there. They know, you know, it's like the artificial intelligence is Mm combing your emails, looking for stuff to sell you to sell, sell to you. But they also know like like names like Jojo mm-hmm. or Almontis. Those are two names that are in my contacts. You know, there are people that I'm writing about. And so it'll start to spell it correctly. So you won't have to go back and fix it all. But if they're in there in your email box somewhere, the artificial intelligence kind of is like, oh, you mean this, you know, like Jojo. You know, yeah. oh, Jojo. I've seen that word
0: before. That's interesting. And so it'll
1: kind of start to pick it up. I've
0: never used my email. I've always used the word. Um, or the Google Doc. So, yeah,
1: I use Google Docs okay. or I use, Um, I only recently started using Word because you know what, I
0: never, I
1: always bought the old Word. I bought Um, for the longest time, just until last year, actually, I used Word 2011 for Mac because I have a Mac and I still love Word but it didn't have the mic readily available and I never knew where it was. Yeah. So now I'm doing the subscription because my license may have expired or I can't find it. Yeah. Or they they
0: took it from you probably.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They want you to buy that. They want you to kind of hang on for every year. So just for 69 bucks, I just, but I get all the updates and that's what's really important. And the technology for the, for the mic and the dictate has gotten a lot better with those later versions of words, so now I'm like all in because I'm like, well, I want the latest version. I want the microphone. Right. I want the words to be added to the microphone. And when you use old programs, you you're only so far as they were in 2011 or whatever. So true.
0: Yeah, you might as well use all the all the bells and whistles that they're coming up right. with for right. us. Right? You want to stay
1: updated. Yeah.
0: So was your first book? It was a romance. Was it a was it a suspense romance or was it straight up? It was. Okay
1: yeah, it had a little mystery in it. And definitely I've always been writing romantic suspense. Something about straight romance just doesn't do it for Mm. me. Like when, even when I'm reading it, I'm like, is this going to blow up? Like what, what's going to happen? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Not that I can't ever read it, but I just, I'm expecting something, Something. you know, like somebody's going to be like killed. Is there a fire? There's a car chase. Like, What's happening? So, so, um, so I'm always looking for that in my own reading selection. Okay.
0: So are, your characters are slightly dangerous. It kind of makes a little, the story a little more yeah. exciting.
1: Yeah, They're in danger. And there's always somebody who wants to kill them.
0: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I like that little eye roll. <laughs> hmm, that's interesting. My characters, always somebody wants them to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And is that just because that's kind of what you've always liked to read? Or you just find it more exciting to write? It's
1: just I do find it more exciting to write. It is a challenge. Okay, sometimes I'm kind of like, well, who did what? Why? Yeah, Why there's got to be a reason. You know, there's got to be a reason. There's always some sinister characters. I find that makes it more interesting. It makes it a little bit faster paced. Okay, and I do love true crime. Like I love watching Dateline. Oh, yeah. Um, and you know, like who done it? And I'm i I'm obsessed with missing persons. I've written two books about missing persons. Um, I was in my, I want to say I was in my 20s. I guess I was maybe in my early 30s when Natalie Holloway went missing. And I kind of wrote a story similar to that. Um, But I also promote, you know, I also put out The people who are missing—not all of them—but every now and then, Relisha Rudd was a young um, six-year-old girl Mm -hmm. um, who was in the D.C. um, homeless shelter, and she was taken by, I think, a janitor, and um, they've never found her. She was only like. 4 or 5 years ago and they have Rich, Alicia Rudd Day um and and she's African American black little girl and um I was just so like some of the reasons I think I write about crime is because I'm trying to put an ending on something that I just don't want to process. Yeah. You know, like it is partly um it's partly mental health um but it's also partly like let me Um, and it's it's sad because it's just nowhere near real life Mm. but um, but it gives people closure right like I'm looking for closure in these situations I still want to know what happened to Natalie Holloway you know I mean and Jerron Bandersloot and he did it again to another lady and it's like what where is this child yeah I just feel so bad and so part of you know writing is part you know, fictionally, mm-hmm. um, the things you cannot solve, Yes, you know, and that's the main, that's the main thing for me. I want to, I want to put a button on things that I cannot not solve, things that are deeply hurtful and you don't know the mystery. You don't know what people go through. So, um, in the case of Alicia Rudd, who was taken, I made kind of her, well, loosely based on a woman that returns to Virginia looking for what happened to her sister in foster care. Okay. There were four people in foster care, and she was one of them, and a guy was one of them. He's a doctor now, and he um, they kind of reconnect, and um, she was taken, um, and uh, she's actually in. Um, she is deceased, but at least they are able to excavate um, you know, her body and find her Yeah, and that gives some closure. You know, I just imagine the pain that people feel when you, like, if I didn't know, you know, it's sad to say that you almost rather know that they are dead than to wonder forever. Right. They are not. I think that is terrible. I'm so sorry. This podcast has taken a turn (laughs) for the dismal and depressing, but, um, you know, just, just that, that's just it. It really is a part of the way to soothe yourself. Right. What others maybe who might've gone through things like
0: that. Well, I, lo- I love what, what you're saying there. Cause like people there, you got to try to wonder, I think writers are like that. Like we try to figure out why someone would do something, mm-hmm. what decision mm-hmm. got made, you know, like mm-hmm. who turned their backs on the little girl mm-hmm. who was, you know, should have been there, wasn't there. Right, right. And it's, I think you suspense writers are so good at like taking those couple decisions that could have detrimental effects. And mm-hmm. then as readers, we see like I'm always left with like, oh, there are so many times in life where like w- we miss it by this much. Thank goodness. <laughs> you know, And then, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you guys are yeah. really good at seeing those human decisions that can have really devastating effects and then maybe mm-hmm. like wrapping it up a little bit better than than real life. Yeah.
1: And there's other things, too. I mean, one of the other things for the main character, the sister who's still alive, is that she was so stunted and unable yeah. to move forward with her life because of this thing. Yeah. You know, and then the the, the hero um, who also knew they knew each other as children. They were in the same foster care. His dad and why his dad lost custody of him was really because, you know, the mother died. I think. Trying to have was in childbirth maybe I can't remember, but the mother died. That made the father drink a lot, and then he lost custody of his son. Mm. So you really get to see kind of the backdoor uh, background of how do people end up in foster care yeah. in the first place? You know, it's not it's not just because he's a drug addict and he's strung out. Like he's grieving something. Uh, there's always a trigger. You know, just like when you watch Hoarders. I watch hoarders to clean up and feel better about myself. But, um, you know, a lot of people watch it like, oh, my God, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. But um, but there's always a death. Mm. There's always something that caused them. They gave up on life. It's not just that they're crazy. They, you know, need medication and just burn the house down. You know, there's something there's something wrong.
0: Yeah. Then
1: there's always they always talk about my mother died and then I started buying stuff.
0: You know, yeah. and I'm
1: like, well, my mother dies. I'm going to pop her up in a rocking chair. She'll leave, leave You know, but that's crazy right. talk. Like everybody has the potential right. to become that person. And so that's, that's a good what point. I
0: really well, and I think you're right. That fiction allows us as readers to explore, okay, if that is a reason, like either maybe I should go get some mental, you know, mental health mm-hmm. help, or, you know, maybe I should be grieving better or something, you know, mm-hmm. like, something that maybe people around them are saying, but they can like distance themselves through a story. And if you can help people like, oh, maybe I can forgive my dad. Like maybe he was going through Mm -hmm. some stuff. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Right, right. Well, the other thing is that in the house, the foster care family, it really was kind of a porno ring. Oh, geez. The girls. I know it's terrible. It's very subtle. I don't really mention (laughs) it. But the, the hero always thought his dad was part of that Mm -hmm. and so that kept him from getting to know his granddaughter so when he's at the end of his life and he's about to die because he's going to tell what happened in the foster care family he came to that house to get drugs he wasn't a part of any of the inappropriate stuff but he you know he could never really say because um but then his son always thought he didn't really ask him were you a part of this is he could have his dad would have told him no I was just there to get drugs you know I still made a mistake but I but the son ended up keeping his daughter from her granddad because he always thought he shouldn't be around children when that wasn't it at all it was that you know he had a drug problem and alcohol
0: right yeah and
1: just the misunderstandings right that occur because of what of what happened yeah so it's more than just you know the missing person it's all that back matter, um, and how we miss opportunity. He could have been with his dad. He could have been closer. You know, he does go and take care of his dad all the time. His dad complains and is angry and cranky, but he's still there from him. And he could have brought his daughter had he known that his dad wasn't. A had part he just of
0: that. asked, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So
0: how do you come up with these ideas? Is this um just a compilation, like, because that's
1: I do just crazy. Yes,
0: <laughs> no, but that's a lot for each character, like, even your side mm-hmm. characters have a full story behind them. Mm-hmm. So, what is your writing process like on really developing those characters?
1: You know, I just keep layering on. Mm. I think that, um, I start with one layer, you know, it's really like building a cake. Um, you know, there's probably about three to four layers her character. And they start out probably very flat, like a lot of most people do. But I try to think about who they are, even if their story won't be um, as as prominent as the main hero hero, hero, hero and heroine. Um, I still think, you know, there's something there mm-hmm. because they have an impact on who that child becomes, right. you know, and, and they're all adults, you know, now, but I just try to pile on You know, if it's too much, I will, um, you know, start to strip away so it's not overwhelming to the story. But for the most part, I pile on as much as I can, really trying to flesh out who they are, their GMC, the goals, motivation and conflict, um, and just make them multi, have multiple issues. Mm -hmm. You know, not only did um, the heroine, uh, her name was Lydra, by the way. Lydra. you know, she's coming back off uh she was on a mercy ship so the one issue is just to come back and find out what happened to my sister not to fall in love with this guy um that i knew in foster care who i did love but you know just to that's like my what is her one goal and what are some of the side things that she really does yearn Mm. but she can't see past right just got to find out what happened to my sister that's all i'm here to do then i'm out of here
0: right you know
1: and so but then just kind of getting into the family, um, you know, just working through her issues and, um, that's, those are all different layers that I just try to give everybody.
0: And do you like start writing before you really know them or do you like write out? Totally.
1: Yeah. So my writing process is I'll start with some dialogue and I'm, I'm a deeply emotive person. I mean, it doesn't seem like I am, But inside, I have deep emotions. I'm also empath, so I'm very empathetic. So I'll try to get to at least page 300, maybe 250, without doing anything. Just writing, writing, writing. Wow. Even if I have to skip um, sections, I usually put put more about this here, and I'll bold it, and I'll highlight it in yellow so that it stands out when I come back. So then um, I'll try to, you know, if I'm stumped, and I've gotten to at least 200 pages or so. Um, I'll go back and start to fill in, but I'm also filling in. More, it's really a skeleton at 200, and I also am a fan of overwriting. Mm-hmm. And I've actually been, you know, accused of that in some of my reviews. And I'm so I do try to tighten it up in a little more, also letting my editor know editor know that this is a part that I want to work on. Okay, I want to tighten up these parts. Because I don't want too much overwriting, but the reason why I overwrite is because I rather take away and edit and whittle down than not have enough and be forcing myself to add more and to pad it Mm. with um, just random, you know, stuff that doesn't really make a difference. So get to page two hundred, do the research and whatever else I need to do about the professions and the people and the characters. Keep writing until at least page 300, 350, and then um, print it out and read it through on paper, edit on paper. And I usually, my margins are filled with more, you know, handwritten notes and stuff and then fix that. And then it's off to the editor. So do you, she
0: does her part. She does her part. Do do you see Mm -hmm. like, as you're writing the book, can you see once you print it off, kind of the the evolution of you getting to know the characters. Like you don't go back and add once you figure out, oh, well, you know, he thinks his dad is part of the, you know, the porn ring. Do <laughs> you just keep start putting it in there and you don't go back and add it in. You just wait for to add it in until
1: I add in as much as I can before the first printing. Okay. So it is almost pretty much done for the first printing. And the first printing is also before any editing, any editor, Mm. freelance. I have a freelance editor before she comes, I will, um, do as much as I can right. with it. Um, and so that's really important. I try not to edit too much and I also don't want to waste paper, right. which is a silly little thing, but I don't, I don't want to print it more than twice. Mm. That's my goal to print it you know, before it goes to the editor and write on it and to print it after. And actually when my editor does things, I've learned to trust her. Yeah. I accept all changes and print that first. And if there's really something that I know that was like oh, something's missing that I put in here and maybe she took it out, you know, I'll just sit with it. And then um, I used to get really annoyed over changes, you know, not annoyed, like I have a tantrum, but just like, oh, why did she? you? Yeah. Know? But I now I accept all because I think that um, that's one thing people need to do is to really believe that your editor is looking out for what is best for the book. Mm. Not you, not your feelings. Um, But really focusing on the material and the the structure and flow of the book.
0: And so do you keep the same editor for the whole series so that she's read the whole thing so she knows?
1: Yes. Yeah. And I think that's really important, too.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you started out traditionally published, but do you Mm -hmm. still do traditional publish?
1: I don't at this time. Um, Working full time. I always said that if I quit and I write full time, which I do hope to do in the next few years, um, then I will get. a um then I will get it try to get an agent okay and 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 um you know and do that and I'll have different editors and I thought about doing the editor who just does the nonfiction because I have a series of books for writers coming out four of them okay uh next year 2023 the first one is called author life fix and that will be out in January um so you know I've thought about that but I like the consistency of one person. We really gel together. And she's been with me through two series wow. and two nonfiction books. So um, so we've been together for almost eight years, I think. Wow, that's amazing. And she's been to Germany. She's a military spouse. She's been to Germany. We, we've only seen each other twice. That's because she used to live here and we had lunch one time. But after that, she's gone on. She's I've been with her since her, before her first child. She now has three. You know, and so um just you know, we just work really well. I don't yeah. care to see you, it's not a big deal to, to me. Yeah, that sounds harsh, but I'm working, you know, here's the book. We kind of have this really this hands-off relationship. We don't talk a lot, we don't gab. I'm not a phone talker, you know, so I just don't talk. I'll text. Um and I love talking. I just don't talk on the phone, and like, you know. <laughs> Especially when like, to okay. Germany. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She went to Germany. She's back now in the states. Um, and yeah, she's great. That's so. awesome. No, that sounds you know, like.
0: Like the relationships that authors used to have with their editors, you know, that trust Mm -hmm. and and like understanding that you're making a product for a reader. Like you said, it's not really about our feelings as much, which is, it's like a a journey to get over that. You know, it definitely is. is. It is, totally. (laughs) I I actually, um, I think
1: I started self-publishing because I had a bad editor at and I don't want to call her bad, but just at one of the publishing houses, my editor who I love left and went on maternity leave mm. and then decided she didn't want to come back. Right. Um and and I got a new person. And I just felt like the communication was off. Mm. You know, the way in which they edited was like, take this out. This doesn't you know, and I just learned that that I don't respond well to Mm -hmm. that. I like smiley faces in the Mm margins. You know, I like, Oh, really good here. Love that. Oh, what a great line. Like I need just a little bit of that. Um, instead of just, you know, take it out, take it out, rip it, shred it. You know, I can't. No, I don't think any
0: writer could we
1: would all like. some <laughs> oh, people don't buy any problems.
0: I don't know. We're all artists and creative brains. Like we need a yeah, smiley face yeah. somewhere, otherwise we feel all dejected.
1: <laughs> something. I mean, give me something, give me to something. Ask you for much. But you know, but yeah, I think that um uh in the editorial letter I get back from her is really good. It's mm. kind of a chapter by chapter, you know, this, that. Fix, you know great good fine, you know right and that's really all I want you know so um but yeah so the other editor that I had problems with who, who kind of like you know silently pushed me into self-publishing but I actually still lament that I was immature and couldn't really say you know could you could we work on our communication a little bit I mean it was 20 something right you know and so that's one of the bridges that I burned, you know, on my journey with that particular person. You know, I didn't talk bad about them. I had to have like a full-time, you know, social media rant quitting. Thankfully, you know, there wasn't social like, you know, media. So, Thankfully, yes, there wasn't. It wasn't, or it wasn't like wonderful. Yeah, it was like
0: all those forums that are exit. gone now, thank goodness. Yeah, we could mature yeah, so, without Twitter.
1: <laughs> right, right. Thank God. Because, you know, I could have, took the, you know, one of those oh, really yes. just, but it was just that the way I handled it. Yeah. You know, I don't. Sure. I don't have any problem with, you know, how I treated her or how I just didn't respond or I was sad. Right. It's just like the I just walking for away. myself yeah. at home. I was having this kind of, I can't stand it. This is terrible. I'm going my own way. That's the behavior mm. that I lament. Right. Because I could have just gotten over that and just kept submitting, and you know who knows where I would be, sure. you know, how even more ahead that I would be at this time.
0: Although self-publishing so, hasn't been very, um, has, has worked out for you for the most it part. It has. Right? I
1: do love it. I do love it. But I just mean that, you know, I could probably have a book deal, like my 10th or 15th right. book deal by now. But that's not the end all be all. That's no longer a goal because what I was going to say on the flip side of having a traditional contract, for me, it's stressful. Mm. It was more stress-inducing. Really? working full time one summer i did 17 events oh my god so there was there was a need for me to prove that i could sell out my advance oh. and i actually ended up in the hospital yeah so i mean i already have a chronic condition and so the stress is just not good right so releasing books when i want to Ah, uh, finishing them with that when I want to. You know, people pick on indie authors because we have soft deadlines. I still have hard deadlines. I still have the number of books that I want to do in a year, um, which is one. I'm happy, but I managed to manage to do two. Which one is coming out in November 30th, and one already came out in January. But just being at a publishing house. Um, I think I would be able to handle it much better if I weren't working full time. Right. So that's that's the qualifier for me yeah. um, to not be working full-time in order to just dedicate my time to the books. But I do so much else. I mean, writing and working aren't my only thing. Right. I've been president of my Washington Romance chapter a year ago. Um, I do extracurricular things, I coach people, you know, I have clients and students that I'm coaching through their books, mm-hmm. helping them get published. Um, so I do a lot of other things and I was doing those things at that time too. Right, Just, you know, really having a week in the hospital, which I've always had hospitalizations, you know, my entire life. Okay. That's just a part of my thing but I know that that particular one was really stress induced okay and I also felt bad because I canceled those events right. that I was supposed to go to and that was like really sad to me. yeah it like sets you but, back um, when you
0: realize but yeah having your own calendar to understand like your own body your own physical limitations or mental limitations mm-hmm. right is definitely right. a plus for that you sound you're very busy like being part of the romance writers of DC yeah. and um mm-hmm. Coaching as well. Did when did you start that?
1: So I used to teach at Northern Virginia Community College, the same college that I went to where I won the contest. I um it's a full circle moment because I, you know, I went there for so long trying to finish my associates and then I started teaching it. And you're like, I am published, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, I am published this time around. Um, what happened, quick story, is that I took a screenwriting class. Oh, fine. And I totally bombed it. it. there was no grade, but I was so mad at the instructor. I was like, You don't have any handouts. I hate this class. You know, like that's like my, whenever I go to a presentation or workshop, my, I start looking around. Does anybody have handouts, handouts, handouts? I look at the front. No handouts. Automatically, I'm like, I don't like you anymore. Like, why am I even here? I'm going to leave. I'm going to a workshop with handouts. Anyway, the teacher, the instructor is so nice. We're still friends to this day. He, I told him, I said, I want to teach like you do. And he put in a good word for me with the- um, I guess it was the Continuing Education and Workforce Development Division. And I was like, I'm going to teach how to write a novel. So I did that for 15 years, wow. one night a week um, at, at NOVA. And it was just wonderful. Oh, so, um, And the only reason they cut all the classes, they even cut pottery, which is like, you're you're going away why would you cut no kidding (laughs) um so they cut it they cut all the continuing education classes just about three or four years ago and i stopped teaching um because um, they are more in favor of government contract stuff Hmm. and education around that so i've actually been thinking though in the pandemic post-pandemic that i would pitch again but i have another teaching gig that i got recently that starts in november oh fun yeah, the first week of November, I'll be teaching um, for Rosemont College in Philadelphia. And it's a virtual course. Okay. And anybody is welcome to come. Um, and uh, yeah, it's going to be virtual for six weeks. It's called Write to Publish. So if anybody wants to check out the writer's studio at Rosemont College. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, so I just, um, I forget your original question.
0: Oh, when did you start book coaching?
1: <laughs> yes, book coaching. Oh, because of the class. Every time the class ended, it was an eight-week course at that time, one night a week, Thursday or Tuesday nights from like six to like nine. People would be like, what are we going to do now? (laughs) And so like the cha-ching bells just went off in my head. And I just, I said, oh, you know what we can do? I'm happy to work with you, you know, one-on-one if you'd like. And they'd like, they'd be looking at me like, oh my God, you just said something wonderful. So that's kind of where it started. Like the class was ending for them. They didn't have accountability. They didn't have weekly assignments. Um, They had nobody reading their work anymore because part of my class, we read, it was only like seven or eight people. So we only had to read about 10 pages. It's still a lot. But but you got that feedback every week because everybody came to class with their comments or they could type them and send them if they weren't going to be there. Accountability, the coaching, the lecture, I just turned that into a private writing thing. And, you know, that was a wonderful additional side hustle doing something that I really loved. Yeah. Liked. Yeah. And everybody felt better because like, well, I guess I could, you know, and I kept it the same price as the class was. And you could have another eight weeks. And some people signed up like three times. Right. Three separate eight week times. Right. Until they got their book done. So it was just, a, you know, it was just something wonderful that, you know, I happen to think of. Um, it's like, I don't want you to go either, especially if you have money. You know, like, how can we keep going? Right. So that's really where it stemmed from.
0: That is wonderful. Do you still do that privately? Like, can people do. do coaching with you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we'll have those links in the show notes. And sure. I mean, you have 20 years of experience, 10 books. So, so what is the 18 books? You actually. have 18 books now. You gotta yes. update your yes. website. <laughs> I know. So no. what is the book coming out in November? Can you tell us about it? Uh,
1: November is the fourth book in the Jameson family Ooh. series. It's Jojo. Um everybody's been waiting for him forever. Um he is the last user military guy. He's based on my brother. Cautionary tale. Never write a book based on (laughs) your brother or your brother's profession. It's just kind of odd and like, oh my god, I don't want to do this anymore. But um, but it's inspirational. It's Christian fiction. But I just mean the military, the militariness. Yeah, I made him like my brother, but a little bit softer. So um, you know, it's just the military experience taking him out of brother's ways. different things like that. It's like, oh, my brother,
0: yeah. So. <laughs> I bet you're, yeah, the second, yeah. you're the second author that said something like, oh, no, I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> it was like her <laughs> yes. brother-in-law, and she was like, you yeah. realize what I was doing? <laughs> so is the Jameson series going to continue, or do you think that's the final one?
1: No, actually, there's a sneak peek of a chapter one in JoJo's book, or one of his friends. Ooh. So it won't all the siblings are done. So it's like a um, There's four of them. Okay. Yeah. So it's like
0: Jameson and
1: family. Nice.
0: Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you have four nonfiction coming out next year?
1: I do. Yeah. Two of them are almost done. Well, the one is done. The one is actually up for review. So okay. if anybody wants um, a free look, you can read it. Um, I'm asking for book quotes, though. That's the only thing. Mm. I want to put them in the front of the print book um, as quotes from any authors or aspiring authors. Author Life Fix is about just looking at your, it's a workshop that I've done like four or five times with different groups. And um, I'll send you the book funnel link sure. you can put in the notes. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to make it available till December 16th for free, and then it does come out on January 16th. Nice. Um, December 12th, maybe I think that's the last day, but I can always if people really want it, I can. But it's about so there's 15 categories. Okay. Like your writing space. You have a beautiful writing space, by the way. Thank you. Your writing space, um, your health. Okay. All the things that center around writing and how you can seek about uh, fixing them. Okay. If there's some issue uh, your website and social media, mm. do you have an opt-in? Do you have a lead magnet? So I'm just asking, at the end of each chapter, I ask you like 20 questions. Okay. That'll help you fix that area. Nice. So do you have a way to get writing inspiration? Do you have a constant feed of... Podcasts, of course, you know, pencils, pens and lipstick, lipstick, and pens is the number one <laughs> to listen to, and then just other things you yeah. might listen to to kind of get a feed okay. like I have a feed of people that I you know if I'm feeling like I'm stuck or something, right. I just make a list and I just go listen to them for um for a time okay, and kind of get poured back up, filled back up yeah. To, to kind of keep going the distance. Of course, of
0: course. And then, so that came out of a workshop, but then what, how mm-hmm. did the other three come about?
1: The other three are, uh, one is a republish. I really just used it as kind of a, it's a 60 page publishing action guide. Okay. Um, and I use that, I used to use that just to give to my students, but mm. I'm going to, um, get, put some more articles and things. It's about how to, you know, what does it take to publish? Right. What are the steps? And both the steps are in there for a traditional contract. And what are the steps for self publishing? Get a book deal. So um, those are in there. It's a little bit shorter book, it's a workbook. And then the other two are just how to write the novel, my version, how I learned Mm -hmm. um, how to write the novel. I think I feel like that. I feel like a lot of people use a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. And they kind of mash them all together, kind of like a religion. A little bit of Christianity, <laughs> a little bit of Catholicism. I'll have a little bit of Buddha. And, you know, they just kind of mix it all together. But this is kind of like the way that I would right, right. also write a novel. And then the other one is just story organization. Story organization mm. is about, um, it's going to give you space to actually write part of the story. Okay. But I'm going to cover five to six uh, ways, like the hero's journey, right? Um, the snowflake method, I'm going to just dabble in them very briefly so that people who aren't writing kind of know, well, I let me try the snowflake for a minute. Okay, I am a snowflake. Let me try the snowflake. Yeah, then, I don't you know, understand the snowflake,
0: it. so I'll probably be Gross. thinking that one.
1: Else. That was the hardest one. <laughs> it, That's the hardest one. I it think.
0: overwhelms me. I'm like, I have I I don't know. I'm already lost. Yeah. Yeah. The hero's
1: <laughs> journey is my favorite. Right. And the mountain arc structure that's my favorite mm-hmm. too. Kind of the ups and downs, ups and downs. That's really what I learned. I learned from Michael Haig okay. early on, probably like, you know, 15 years ago, he doesn't do as many workshops as he used to, but he was a big time, um, you know, uh, writer and, um, teacher instructor. Right. So I learned that the hero's journey, uh, the call to action, right. you know, the climax, the rising and the rising and falling action right. and the, dark moment or the day in um. the, um,
0: t- dark dark night of the soul yes yes
1: point of no return
0: right i mean it's classic but it works like it's you know whenever i sit back and watch a movie i'm like yeah i know what this is gonna do to me i know exactly where i'm going but i just can't help (laughs) myself i know right (laughs) right of course so (laughs) before we wrap up um we met in person because we did an in-person event are you going to do any any other in-person events around the dc area
1: um I have one last event. It's called the Romance Readers and Writers Weekend. Oh, yes. It's October 29th. Um I think it's Friday and Saturday. I'll just be there on Saturday. It's going to be in Alexandria, Virginia. I think it's at the Westin Hotel. So that'll be um it's a full conference, but it's also like a fair, a book fair. Yeah. Uh, author signing, multi-author signing. Fine. So there'll be tons of authors um there that will be fun. That's my last event. I'm saying it's my last event for 2022, but um, I'm already teaching two virtual workshops. <laughs> one for Los Angeles they're romance writers. <laughs> yeah, and one, but they're both virtual. So I feel like my last in-person event right. may be this. But I do want to do a Christmas market. That's something that I haven't done yet. Okay, yeah. I want to do a Christmas market, and I'm still thinking about it either um, It's either going to be at the Dallas Expo. I don't think it's going to be there, but I want to. I've never done the Dallas Expo. And I talked to another author who has done that. Um, And I think about splitting it up because it's three days. Oh, wow. So, that's a yeah, lot. It's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I might share.
0: I was exhausted um, after one day.
1: <laughs> I know I was too. I was like but, on the couch you know, as we
0: were emailing. Like, well, I was going to take
1: a break. <laughs> well, that's why I was going to get more authors too. Everybody mm. can have a day maybe. So if anybody thinks about that or wants to, you Fine. Know, can hit me up. but, um, but yeah, so um, I just want to do one. I really hate the cold. Like my legs get so cold. I just, it takes me forever to like thaw out yeah. and warm up. So I really don't like warm winter events. I try to do as many summer and late spring events as I can Yeah. Um, before I go hibernate. Like I'm like a bear. You just go hibernate. <laughs> go
0: hibernate and write and read. I'll see
1: you in March, <laughs> yes. next March when it starts to warm. at late March because early March is still it's cold.
0: Golden still too cold Yeah, that's so yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully you and I will get to meet again soon since how we yeah. live in the same state. Although, you know, mm-hmm. our states are so big. But still, we live in the D.C. area, so we will yes, figure we that do. out. Um, but thank you so much for coming. I will definitely have the links in the show notes for anyone who wants okay. to do sure. the Rosemount College um, or get your Author Life Fix book with the book mm-hmm. funnel. Um, thank you so much, Tracy, for coming and sharing about Your writing life. Thank you. Hey, you're still listening? Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group.